0: we solve the roof we solve the floor we solve the steps we solve the door we solve
1: the ceiling we solve the walls With this one here it's no trouble at all solve your painting problems at a solver decorator center beautiful man problem solver.
2: <laughs> solver paints may or may not actually solve your problems descending Gamer podcast sponsor welcome to the discerning gamer podcast Your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts... Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Yes, living alongside mysterious creatures who can be enslaved to fight, work on farms, and run factories or can be simply eaten or sold in order to fight off a ruthless poaching syndicate, this is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. I am your host, Joel JB Fury-Boshane, and with us this week, as always, are the DG crew, starting with the PC gamer, the Sultan of Steam, living easy, loving free, season ticket on a one-way ride, asking nothing, leave him be taken everything in his stride. It's Fergus Fergamon Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Fergus.
1: Oh, JB, how are you, mate?
2: Oh, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, (laughs) Also with us this week, the gaming chef, the Earl of Emotional Damage. He locks eyes from across the room. Downs his drink while the rhythms boom. He takes your hand and skips the names. No need here for the silly games. It's Simon <laughs> Steely McLaughlin. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Steely.
0: Mm, yeah, thank uh, you. I love holding hands. Um, it, I tried to do it with somebody that didn't have hands once. It didn't go down well. <laughs> I had to hold them. I had to hold her feet. So anyway, uh, yeah, welcome back. Here for another week, and I am shitting myself, ready to talk some fuck with you. Are you ready?
2: (laughs) Yeah, ready as I'll ever be, mate. Ready as I'll ever be. And uh, finally, the (laughs) Nintendo Queen, Pistol, Pisty, Pete, the Pissed. Uh, while she walks slowly across a young man's room, she said, she's ready for you. Why? She can't remember anything to this very day except the look, the look. It's Casey C-Mac McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, C-Mac.
3: Thanks, Joel. Another one I don't know, so.
0: Yeah, I believe that was Usher's Yeah. Oh. <gasps> was oh.
3: I don't know
1: what the fuck it was. Uh, was it? I reckon I've gone <laughs> three was, of three this week. That was so much week.
3: conviction. <laughs> <laughs> what, is it? what is it, Ferg?
1: Uh, and that's, it's, uh, I can't remember the name of the song, but she's got the look. We had Akadaka. Uh, um, that would
2: uh, That would be uh, a no there. Oh, uh, is it?
1: Uh, oh, two out of three, we had Akadaka, Highway to Hell. And then we had Jizz in My Pants by The Lonely Island.
2: Uh, yes, that is uh, correct. So uh,
3: should have um should three, have done a bit um, of ta- bit sure, of Taylor then. Swift bit bit um mm.
2: topical topical couldn't think of the word yeah. topical yeah you awesome. would uh, you would certainly guess it if I uh, did it the way the singer does it uh, thank you yeah. I can't remember anything to this very day except the look the look you
0: know where oh, so it's. So it's JB singing a song that we still don't know. That's <laughs> good. That's excellent.
2: That's correct. Uh, Pearl Jam for Co- uh, those oh, playing Oh, so at because home. you
0: went, wow! I was meant to understand that that was Pearl Jam.
2: got off to a was good was meant start to be this a, week. A big clue. <laughs> oh boy! I didn't know. Anyway, I you
0: would have done more of like.
2: Put to- England, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <you laughs> Anyway,
0: blows the gas tanks.
2: <laughs> Right, well, that's, uh, that's a brilliant start. Um, all right, what have we been playing this week, Ferg?
1: Well, I'm about to go away for the weekend, so I thought I'm going to travel with-, with the Switch. I'm going to dust the dust off the dusty Switch, and I'm going to take it with me. And I thought, well, what am I going to play? And didn't really feel like finishing uh, Pokemon Violet, so I was like, I want to pick up a new game. And lo and behold, there's a massive Nintendo sale going on at the moment in Ooh. the eShop. And I've picked up Nino Cooney Wrath of the White Witch for uh, 15 bucks, which I thought was pretty good. I think it was like 90% off. $10. Amazing. So I've played about an hour of it. So, you know. Be very- is, it, is it any good? Look, what I've seen in, in an hour, and again, I want to keep a lid on things, I am loving it. Now, why am I loving it? I love JRPGs. I love um, Studio Ghibli. Um, it looks amazing. I love anime as well. So it, it, it plays like an interactive anime movie. Like the cutscenes are fantastic. The voice acting is fantastic. The art style is incredible. Being, yeah, Studio Ghibli. And then all of the soundtrack is like orchestral, played by like a live orchestra. Um, and recorded, So, you mm. know, in an hour, just the visuals and the sound and that kind of stuff is unreal. I haven't really played enough to get really heavily into the gameplay, but what I've seen so far, yeah, I'm really vibing with it. So, excellent. I can't mm. wait for
0: you to play this game, Ferg, and hopefully you finish it, because I still haven't finished it, and I'm afraid I never will. I just went too hard in it. We've talked about this on the show before. Yeah, but- we have. Excellent, excellent game and I'm so stoked that you're playing it because it is just it's that through and through the whole way through. but even then, some of the side quests because um, you know things, and you would have picked this up from just a couple of hours, things in the world that you're in when you start the game like the real world, and the parallel world that you go and visit, they're linked. And so it's really interesting to how side quests kind of develop as you play through it. You know, and and how you know they're sort of evil creatures stored within people because their heart's broken. And I think it's just such Mm. a fucking cool concept and a really, really neat um, way to really blend two of my favourite things: good, good gaming with Studio Ghibli. Mm. So really, really good.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited to dump a whole stack of hours into this over. Yeah, the next handful of days in between plane flights and chilling out in airports and stuff. So, yeah, I'll uh, report back with a discerning gamer score in the next couple of weeks, probably. But it's a game that's been out for a little while. I think it might have came out in 2018. I think it was a PS4 game to start off, but now... PS3. PS3. Suck. We're going back that far. Wow. Big time. Um, but I think it's only come to the Switch in the last... I don't know, handful of years, maybe a bit later twenty nineteen, twenty twenty or something like that. So um I thought it'd be a good one to uh take away with me. Something that's that's not gonna stress the uh you know, the power of the switch too much. And so far it's been running really smoothly.
2: Mm. So mm. fabulous. Yeah. Well, this this week uh I decided to log into my uh G O G account. Uh, of course, good mm-hmm. old games. Um, They have a platform now called GeoG Galaxy, which is very similar to Steam, but uh, specifically specialising in uh, older uh, retro-style games. And um, I uh, downloaded uh, an old game that uh, people would know. It's the sequel to the game Constructor, uh, which came out in the uh, mid-'90s, and it's, it's known as either Mob Rule or Constructor Street Wars and Street Wars Constructor Underworld, depending on which part of the world you live in. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> this was a real-time strategy game for PC uh, released in 1999 when Simon was still a fetus. Ooh, um, no,
0: I and- was not. I was nine <laughs> years old. Thank you, math man.
2: <laughs> and uh. Uh, it was developed by Studio 3 and... Uh, Uh, published by Simon and Schuster. Um, Yeah, it was uh, me and Schuster. Yeah, both of you. That's uh, fantastic. (laughs) Um, And uh, look, this this game, for those of you who have never played it, the Constructor Games are a brilliant sort of real-time strategy. Um, The premise is that you've got a a headquarters, you have to start building businesses um, alongside your headquarters and as you start to build progressively more more complicated businesses, you've got to build like a cement factory and a gadget factory and a brickworks and all these sorts of things and you, you get progressively more advanced buildings and when you have a business, you put a tenant in there and the tenant can either pay you money or provide you with um, their children basically so they can breed workers or more tenants or whatever the case may be. And as you get higher level tenants, they can start to provide you with more complex um, characters like the fixer, and eventually you can get like mafia sort of dudes that uh, you can send to to do sort of attacking missions on the the enemy players and stuff. Mm. Um, it's a it's a really cool little game, and um, if if you've never played it, like give it a go. There's there's actually a a, a newer constructor that came out fairly recently. Um, I download it on the PlayStation 5, but um, in all honesty, it's a game that you really want to play with a keyboard and mouse because the uh, trying to sort of drag, like click and drag out Mm. like areas on a map with uh, a DualSense controller is just really frustrating. It's almost like um, playing The Sims. It's heaps easier to do it on a PC, so you can click and drag like. Your walls and you know place furniture and stuff like that than it is to do it with a controller. But uh, hmm. well, I don't know. Would you Would you agree with that, C Mac? You, you're a bit of a Sims uh, a aficionado. aficionado. Would you say it's yeah. easier to play on a PC than on like a PlayStation, like with a controller?
3: A hundred percent. I don't think. Yeah. I've, I think I might have tried Sims on the PlayStation once, and I just can't. Not doable. Yeah. It's a click. It's a, you have to click on stuff. That's all around the screen. Mm. It's just too hard to just drag a <laughs> a cursor from on on a TV. It's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, no, nah, I'd never play on anything else.
2: Is is it true that you can connect a mouse to your PlayStation Five and use it as a like a type can of you? controller? I think so.
3: How? Because
2: I've never Wireless? actually tried to do this, but I have heard yeah, I that so. this this is potentially possible.
0: Yeah
3: how would that work how would that work in port terms in the front? of can you connect a uh, keyboard as well yeah
0: mm. i'm pretty sure you can
2: i'd i'd be interested to know whether any of our listeners have uh, have done this before but i have heard of people doing this specifically for games that are easier to um to play so uh, i've just just had a quick search online and uh, apparently The easiest way to connect a keyboard and mouse to your PS5 is to simply plug these peripherals into spare USB slots on the console. Uh, You've got a USB Type-A port and a USB Type-C port on the front and two USB Type-A ports on the back and any of them can be used to hook up a keyboard and mouse, apparently. So, there you go. Mm. There you go. Stick that There is
0: no limitations now.
2: Yeah... (laughs)
0: Do it all. Join the scouts.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, might be. Might be an interesting one to try. I, I might do a little experiment uh, later on. Give it a go. Why mm-hmm. not? Fuck yeah. What about you, uh, C Mac and Steel Lee? Uh, what have you been playing this week?
3: Well, I haven't finished Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but we have been playing. <laughs> we have been playing Mario versus. Donkey Kong on the mm. Switch. We got that one last Friday, I want to say. Yeah, a little, little bit.
0: Mm. Come on. Look, no, it's little, all right. A little bit. It's all right. It's
2: all right.
3: Look,
0: it's. it's
2: I don't know. You're saying game. yes, but C Mac's saying no. Uh, <laughs> what, what, are, what are we thinking? Are we, is there a bit of a mm-hmm. disparity here between the level of enjoyment that each of you experience oh, with this well, title?
3: All I can say is I want to finish it before Friday because we get to return it after a week. How do you be if okay. we finish it? Well. No, it's not not fun. It's, it's fun, yeah. but it's it's too easy. I think it was it's a game that
0: I would have enjoyed when I was playing Game Boy Advance. It's a bit okay. simpler, I think. It was the the newer levels are the ones that stand out because there is a little bit more happening in each of them um that are that are thrown in there boss battles are a little bit sort of they're all the same just in different places with a different little thing to make them a bit different uh
3: <laughs> good that sentence makes sense.
0: that's a shit sentence good english sign
3: <laughs> but different Go to back make it to you, a bit different where
0: you came from uh, <laughs> um nah just i don't know it's it's not a, it's not like it's bad it's not a bad game it's just okay i just like, don't want it taking up fine. room in
3: our in our collection,
0: for no reason. Oh, because,
3: oh, what, because we're running, oh, running out of room, or oh, what? Yeah, it's huge amount of room it's
2: taking up. Well, I think okay. I think that's a that's a pretty clear um, indictment on the game if uh, you don't want it taking up space in your collection. I think uh, that really tells us all we need to know. So, uh, too much room. Mario versus Donkey Kong. Uh, it just it hasn't gotten any it hasn't gotten any
3: harder. This is the problem. This was Mario Wonder. It was easy, and it had some really hard elements. This is just easy, continuously mm. easy. Mm. It just hasn't gotten no, no level of difficulty. Has. I
0: think the hardness in the game, which is not... It's strong suit, comes from the fact that it does not control like a traditional Mario platformer. So it it feels very sort of stiff and jagged to control Mario. There's, there's no pace to it. It's just a, pla- it's a platformer puzzler, and... It is what it is. It's not like it's a bad. Like I said, it's not a bad game. It's just fine. Just And easy. I think that um, that's the point of the Switch's life cycle. We're in. We're just going to get fine for now. Um, I think because I was really
3: looking forward. Oh, sorry. I was really looking forward to this game too, which is um, bit sad.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I was kind of like, yeah, this is going to be this game. You know, it's not even something I was that. I'm not even. I'm not surprised that it is what it is. But it, that's exactly it. it is what it is. And and you know, I'm sure there are going to be better games that precede it and um, that come out way on down the track. But for the you know for the end of the switch, it's all right. It's mm. just all right. It's not like it's not like fuck. You know, like. Or anything, but it's thanks
2: yeah. Steely. My uh, ears game, are bleeding now, and my what headphones. What game would be like that?
3: that?
0: Game that's like that. Yeah, Legend of Zelda Tears of the F- Tears of the Kingdom is like that. What's mm. it like?
3: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: All
1: right.
0: You boot that's... it up, and instantly you're like, oh, "Shit!"
1: <laughs> <laughs> and for those playing at home that aren't quite across the Nintendo, this is a. This is an old. This is a Game Boy Advance game originally, isn't it? Mm. Which they've remastered and reskinned, or remastered. Yeah, is this the word? It's, it's, it's very- not a remaking. It's not a remake of the game. Well,
0: it's, it kind so- of it is a remake because it's mm. it's not just like HD upraised It's completely redone from the ground up. There's differences in the way that it doesn't have a scoring system now. It has more of a find the presence. You know, you know, tick off a, a list of things to collect in each level. Um, sort of mechanic versus what it used to have, and it does have new levels in it as well. Mm. So, also,
3: it- we, we also played another game, didn't we? And we finished it in two nights. Did we? <laughs> we played What Remains of Edith Finch. Oh, fuck! Oh, yeah. We did. We played it. Yeah. We finished well. it in two nights. <laughs> we could really, have finished yeah. it in one, but then it got very late. <laughs> it yeah. did get
0: late. Yeah. Very good. That's a mm-hmm. great game. Good Enjoyed suggestion um, from Ferg. Uh, what a fucking time that was. Uh, for, uh, look, I have this problem with some games where I kind of wish the ending did something a little bit different and it felt like it was going in that way and then it didn't. Um, not that I'm going to spoil it for anyone because I, f- I feel like it's one of those games where just, you, you just play it or you don't. Um, but having said that, I found it to be a very interesting Um, A very interesting game that did, I think, exactly how Ferg said it last time, something that no other game has done. Like, I don't know, it just feels like it's a narrative adventure that does so much in the short amount of playtime that it has and packs so many ideas into it, but none of them feel out of place um, and tells a lot of different stories about death in very different ways. And um, it has this fantasy element to it, which makes you believe in so many of these wonderful stories that are kind of depressing, but, I don't know, there's just something about it. Is it's just um, from the moment you boot it up with the it's weird organ you got to have a lot of, have, a lot like of
3: um, brain power, though, to play it. You've got to be very switched on because it's a lot of sort of reading and listening and watching. You can't really sort of switch off at all.
0: But at least it's not like, oh... I have to use my brain to find this thing because no, the game just, just tells holds you. your hand the whole way through. But I think it can be that experience. It's allowed to be that experience. Um, but there was one part of it where you're in a tuna factory and hmm. the guy who, so good. who's in the tuna factory is like going insane. And he starts to believe that he's in this world that he's created for himself. And I found that to just be such a. a perfectly crafted bit it really it was um, hard
3: i had to cut the, i had to cut the fish's heads off whilst using my other thumb to play another part of the game yeah. and
0: the more that his imagination went into the, his lunacy the more intricate and large the game world got in his head to the point where you know he then go, walks through a door and he's all of a sudden um, in the tuna factory and he's seeing himself from the outside in and he doesn't like what he sees and and ultimately, you know, bad things happen that I'm mm-hmm. not going to keep spoiling. But I just found some of the ways that it tells the story um, really compelling and wonderful. And I think that there's just nothing... I've not played anything quite like it where it makes me just go, I think it's worth playing. It's not even just like, oh, you've got to fucking play this game, man. It's fucking sick. Oh, my God. It's just like... I think it is such an impactful game in...
3: And it's nice and short, which I think yeah, is such a heavy accessible. subject matter. You don't want it to go any longer, really. No,
0: you don't want to play fucking 14 hours of, of depression, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, you do that in real life enough if you really want to. Um, but no, it was fantastic. So, great suggestion from Ferg. Um,
2: and uh, have we got a Descending a score for what remains of Edith Finch?
0: I'd be giving it a solid nine.
2: Wow, Fuck mm-hmm. me. I, I, I fucking I, loved it. I'd like, say eight and it. a half. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well slightly shittier uh, score. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: was That's just its ending for me. Yeah, me too. Uh, I I think the ending left much to be desired and, and it was only one point that I'd take off for it, but presentations fantastic I felt like it was
3: building up to something a bit more exciting and yeah
0: just, anyway. and it feels like it's getting there I said that before but it feels like it's getting there and then it just kind
3: well, of it makes it sound doesn't. like it's gonna be kind of like a mystery but it wasn't there's
1: no there was twist. no mystery
3: or twist or any- anyway anyway yeah mm. whatever well,
1: but yeah well I'm glad you guys enjoyed it I actually didn't mind the ending I didn't I actually enjoyed the twist at the end because mm. um, I I'm you know I don't know, I'm pretty silly when it comes to these things. I can never pick endings of movies and then when they actually happen, I'm always the guy that's like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't mind the ending. I actually thought that was quite good. But <clears throat> I don't think I made the point last time I was talking about it, but I'm typically a, a quantity, not over quality, but I like to you know always talk about getting an hour's worth of gameplay for every hour getting an hours worth of gameplay for every dollar i spend on a game is sort of a measuring stick of you know something i like to try to achieve but this is one of the few occasions where that yes it's short but i had no issues with the length of, the length of this game no. at all i mm. thought it it sort of did everything it wanted to do without overstepping its mark or dragging it out or making it was just four really quality i think i finished it in four it was like really four quality hours worth of of game um yeah. yeah, so I think they just knocked it out of the park. It's really quite a unique and interesting game and, yeah, a great example of narrative and, and storytelling. So, yeah, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. What about uh, Mario versus Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong versus Mario? Do you have a score for that one? Does Sony gave a score?
0: Uh, look, I think I'd be doing a disservice to give it anything lower than a, a seven, but... I think because it's it's good, it's it's fine. I think it's a good game, but it doesn't wow me to go up. What's any your score? Higher than that. Six
2: point eight. <laughs> Boom. Five. Get it here first. Five. Five. Wow. Fucking hell. Uh, here we go again. Not afraid to uh, deal the uh, body blows uh, tonight, C Mac.
3: <laughs> yeah. Don't have time.
2: Yeah, burn of Don't have time to fuck anymore. around. We're uh, here to uh, kick ass and chew bubblegum and we're all out of gum. 100%. Uh, well, that... Uh, Probably brings us to uh, a good stepping-off point to look at the news headlines. What's All happening right. this
0: week? Whoa, 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 whoa. What is it? What isn't happening this week? Fuck! It's Nintendo! It's Xbox! It's PlayStation! It's the big three! Fuck! Oh, shit! Anyway. Um, I'm going to come. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, have you seen this? Or have you heard about <laughs> you this? Give me your voice
3: a bit. It
0: a bit My voice is already going out. I don't know what what's <laughs> happened to it in the last... Sp- six to eight hours but it's fucking it's dying on me Uh, have you seen this have you heard about this fucking microwave has spoken in what has been described as America's worst podcast in the Xbox podcast no but really Phil Spencer ran us through Microsoft's plans for Xbox in 2024 along with four previous Xbox 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 exclusives coming to PlayStation and Switch and a big June showcase planned Xbox is planning on releasing the greatest jump in hardware we've ever seen in the next generation apparently Um, in amongst the fluff it appears that Xbox is wanting to get in ahead of the game so to speak with being the newest and most powerful hardware available before Sony and Nintendo we reached out to Phil Spencer for comment on what to expect from the new Xbox and all he had to say was holograms (laughs) Oh fuck, watch (laughs) out Nintendo Um, I actually had a coffee with Phil uh, this week And asked the name of the console And he said it would be called the Xbox Series 720SX1 He also (laughs) mentioned there would be a pro version Called the Xbox Series 1440XS Slim 2 Um, Both are rumoured to be completely holographic So, holograms everyone
2: Holographic
0: Yeah Um, Speaking of next-gen hardware, Sony has put the PlayStation 5 into palliative care. Fuck me, that's dark. Well, (laughs) what they really said... is that the PS5 is in the later stages of its life cycle meanwhile analysis are back at it again with the white vans stating they believe that 2024 is the year we could get a PS5 Pro as the PS4 Pro was released just three years into the PS4's life cycle no words yet from Sony what to expect from their next piece of hardware I reached out to the guy who cleans the floors on floor 5 of Sony Interactive Entertainment and he said man all I've heard is holograms and <laughs> Last of Us oh. <laughs> and the Last of Us Part One remake remastered definitive edition for PlayStation Five Pro. So there you go, wowzer! Lots of holograms this year in gaming.
3: They must have listened to our <laughs> podcast.
0: <laughs> Shit, fuck. Uh, wow, reviews are in, so gather your cats round and groom them with your favourite saliva bath, because here's who took away the Metacritic and Discerning Gamer Major Releases Game of the Week, um... Which is just a thing that I made up. So coming in at bizarrely last place is Foam Stars on fifty-nine, followed by Skull and Bones on sixty-four. On thirteen points ahead at seventy-seven, it's Mario versus Donkey Kong, much to Casey's dismay. And coming out on top this week is Tomb Raider one to three remastered on seventy-eight. Wow. What was this? <clears throat> Tomb Raider one to three remastered. What, it's just a
3: Metacritic score.
0: This is just Metacritic scores. <laughs> Um, so there you go, it's a fucking uh,
2: video game wasteland out there. Time, time to uh, go back through the backlog and actually dig out some uh, some talent. Um,
1: You're not playing Skull and Bones, JB?
2: Nah, nah. I'd <laughs> rather <laughs> stick a hot needle into my eyeball, uh, to be honest with you. So Boy, um, What do you think about that?
0: Yeah. I love that, but I'm with, I'm with that. <clears throat> so there you go I can only speak for two of these games One I've put five minutes into In the beta And one that we're almost three quarters of the way in But I think all I can say is Skull and Bones would be ten points down If it was considered If, if I was considered a professional um, <laughs> And Mario and Donkey Kong is just fine Like I said um, But mm-hmm. anyway uh, Ever wanted to start again? Uh, maybe Perhaps you wanted to Respawn <laughs> <laughs> well, Star Wars wants to do just that with the Mandalorian and with Respawn. I just made myself weirdly angry. Weird laugh. I don't know what that <laughs> was. Um that was really convoluted. Uh this game um has really no detail past the announcement but what do you guys playing at home want to see from this game do you want baby Yoda do you want Troy Baker to play Pedro Pascal and Harrison Ford again playing Troy Baker playing Joel DM us your dick picks in the comment section below what? um. <laughs> If we're not even on YouTube I just don't know Anyway uh, Number five Wow You know how sometimes You just want to showcase Your partners Well Nintendo Hasn't felt the need To do that Since 2020 It's happening, people. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, (laughs) I'm not, but that's all right. Uh, It's happening, people. A Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase is scheduled for 12.30am this Thursday in South Australia. Although we could speculate on what games will be shown, this isn't even the biggest Nintendo news this week. That's right, because a bunch of fucking people out of Brazil have mentioned the Switch 2 is being delayed to 2025. Although I'm still desperate, I mean hopeful, for a Switch 2 2024 release, the reports seem to be all speculative and none of the reports corroborate on this report, saying that they are privy to the information first hand. So, as with any rumour, take it with a grain of salt. But just in case Nintendo are listening, tell us already! I can't take it anymore, you motherfuckers! Give us the fucking trailer for the thing and release date because I just want to know if it's fucking holograms or not! (laughs) Anyway... Uh, And lastly uh, (laughs) Wow, coming down from a big bit of emotion there uh, Regulating myself quickly And (laughs) lastly It's see... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it seems our very own Fergus Fergimon Hamilton is on the fringe of Pokemon news as the new Pokemon Presents has been announced for the February the 28th at midnight. What's up with these fuckers holding presentations in the middle of the night? In the middle of the night! Anyway, um, for South Australia that is. Although there have been rumours circulating of a Pokemon Black and White remaster, it seems the rumour mill is starting to churn out a return to Pokemon Gold and Silver. Whether that is via a Pokemon Let's Go game similar to Pikachu and Eevee or a Legends game, the internet is in a spiral about this event, with the general consensus in comment sections on YouTube being that people are expecting a rushed new installment into the mainline franchise and that expectations are at an all-time low following the disaster that was Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. At this point, I can't help but feel like I'm in a toxic relationship with the Pokemon company, where they keep letting me down, but I keep saying, maybe this time it'll be better. Maybe they've changed. We cross over live now to Fergus, Ferguson Hamilton over in the DG Lounge for expert comments, Ferg.
1: Oh, I'm with you, Steve. <clears throat> I've got a similar relationship with the Pokemon Company and, and I'm ready to be heard again. Just give us something. Give us a new game. I don't care what it is. I'm ready to play it regardless of what kind of quality it comes out in. But this is the way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you, Ferg. That's excellent. (laughs) And that's your news headlines for this week. Okay, well, that's that's fantastic. Where's
0: Gone? gone. Ding it. Whoa! News headlines! Where are they? I just did them.
2: Oh, there we go. There we go.
0: Woo! Woo! News headlines. I just did it. Did you hear him? Yeah, couldn't have missed it because I yelled half of them. This is the
2: way. Fantastic.
0: Yes. I'm fucking sweating over here. So, uh,
2: all right. Obviously, um, just cherry picking out of the news headlines. Uh, Respawn Entertainment, who are obviously known for uh, for the game Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and um, what? Well, was that that was the second one? Jedi Survivor. Um,
1: uh, Fallen Jedi Order. Fallen Order was the Fallen first Order one. Fallen Order was the first yeah. one.
2: Yeah. So Jedi Survivor was the sequel. Um, I mean, Fallen Order was a pretty decent Star Wars game. Like mm. it, it had elements to it that I didn't care for in particular, but mm. um, but it wasn't too bad. Uh, has anyone in the DG crew played uh, Jedi Survivor, the sequel, which is meant to be also quite good?
1: I haven't played the sequel. I played the first one and had a similar opinion. Didn't mind it. thought it was reasonably good. Um, some things I didn't enjoy, but overall I thought it was a decent Star Wars experience. Um, but yeah, I know Jedi Survivor had a bit of a cult following last year and really, you know, in the Game Awards, it wasn't really nominated for anything. But again, I think it was one of those games that wasn't nominated for anything. I don't think so. But definitely a game that came out last year, which was yeah very well received but no didn't play it
2: so all right um just playing devil's advocate here like um in in the past with Star wars games in particular like there's there's they really fall into one of two categories you've got the ones that particularly follow a jedi based character where you can be that jedi character and typically you've got either a series of weapons and the lightsaber and a bunch of force powers that you can use and depending on the game some of them either just give you a general mix of force powers that you can use or uh, sometimes you have to either skew towards the dark or the light and then you particularly only get the powers on that side of the force um and then there's the uh, Star Wars games that don't have that option and don't let you play as a Jedi character. So I'm thinking like the original Dark Forces or um, the Star Wars Shadows of the Empire that came out on Nintendo 64. Um, now, in my experience, they typically have been better games when you can use the Force powers, like when they found a way to implement that. So uh, Dark Forces, when the, the first one that came out, Uh, was really really old it looked similar to Wolfenstein 3D it was that sort of era of uh, of sort of gaming but then uh, Dark Forces 2 came out and that was uh, Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight and it was they they changed the game up and made it so that the main character that you play in the game discovered oh he's force sensitive and he now has Jedi powers and So you got the lightsaber, which you could use to reflect blaster bolts back towards the enemy, but you also got, yeah, the option to either skew towards the light and just get light side powers that were sort of like the the ability to heal yourself or protect yourself and absorb force powers or, you know, things of that nature, or you could go uh, skew towards the dark side, um, use like force destruction, which was basically a huge blast of energy that just just destroyed everything in its path, uh, or you had like the uh, the Emperor Palpatine style lightning fingers uh, that you could use as well, and uh, then I think like a, a game like Star Wars: The Force Unleashed, where uh, you're you know playing a character who's almost sort of supercharged in terms of their force ability and um, can you know bring down a star destroyer with his with his force powers uh, at at one point in the game, so uh then you you get to like uh Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor where obviously your main character uh is Cal or Kestis or Kestus and uh he's obviously a, a Jedi who was either in training at the time or just just out of his training and rediscovers his connection to the Force and gradually gets his Force powers back but if they now take the franchise in a direction of right a Mandalorian game, now the Mandalorian uh, character himself has no force powers. He has a pretty cool range of weapons that are sort of associated with his suit of armor, like uh, you know he can shoot rockets and flamethrower, and um, like he's got a grappling sort of hook thing and jetpack and all, all that sort of stuff. Do do we think that having those sorts of like uh, features, I guess, would make up for the fact that he's not force capable and, and obviously he won't have the option to use the force in the game?
1: I think so. The Mandalorian's a bad man. I mean, he's a, a bounty hunter. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting how that how they would make that game work in a world that's full of Jedi Knights and people that have the Force powers, how you, you know, do they just not be in the game? Or is there a way for him to somehow be whatever? I'm not too sure, but I think in isolation, himself as a character is, I think, quite solid. And I actually really enjoyed the Mandalorian series um, so far, so I think they could make it work. Um, I think to take a backwards step, where I'm at with the Star Wars games these days is. I just feel like it's just such an oversaturated thing now with Star Wars. Between the movies, the video games, the TV shows, there's so much content that I've historically loved these games and always been excited about them. But at the moment, I just don't have any appetite for a new Star Wars game. Um, And let's not forget, we've got Star Wars Outlaws, which is coming out this year as well. So, I don't know. I'd say in the last 10 years, we've probably had... I don't know how many Star Wars games we've had we've had had, because you had all the spin offs as well. We've had like Star Wars Squadrons. It right? Tales
2: from the Galaxy's Edge on PSVR yeah. two and you know Meta Battlefront one and that. two.
1: Yeah, there Battle just Front seems like there's just been so much Star Wars content, you know, all the T V shows, Mandalorian, the Obi Wan, there's all the you know, the um like the animated stuff as well. Yep. I just feel like we need a break of some sort from the Star Wars in order to get excited about the franchise again. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I still think there's probably good stories to be told and, you know, the Mandalorian's a great character, but at the moment I just don't have any appetite for a Star Wars game, which, I don't know, that's me personally. I don't know what you reckon, JB and and Casey. Well, I- Any excitement for a Mandalorian-type game? I don't know if you've seen the TV show with Pedro Pascal recently.
0: Oh. I've not. I I've, look. I'm with you in that boat. I think it's just overdone um, to death now. You know, we've got two two Jedi games, which are probably the the best that you'll get in form of playing as a Jedi in in those games in in some respect, because the I think it implements using force abilities quite well. From what I played, I, I found that to be pretty cool. But it doesn't make it just so incredibly easy that you know you kind of feel like the, it's superfluous even playing. Um, but I I think one thing that you brought up, JB, that was really good is the sheer arsenal of the Mandalorian. Look, I don't watch the Mandalorian. I know nothing about it. But after you're telling me about it, he's got all these different little gadgets. That, to me, would would be what sets this apart from any of the Star Wars games that we've gotten that either sit on the side of just being a guy that uses a blaster or being a Jedi. Because he's got all this other stuff that he can use that can still make him feel, I don't know, some somewhat more exciting to play as. I found that playing something like Battlefront was just fucking boring. It's like blaster, blaster, blaster. Now oh, I'm in a fucking plane, whatever they called. I'm in an ex TIE fighter cock fucking sucker than thing. I don't know. I, don't, I just <laughs> that that, st- that those battles were just felt like I was playing. Call of Duty in Star Wars or Battlefield in Star Wars and didn't really excite me that much and I think that this is where it all set itself apart is having something that's about a character that, you know, historically has a popular television series with a good story being told within it. Again, not that I watch it or care about it, but um, I think that if that was to be a game, that would probably be one of the characters that would work most. Um, unlike Star Wars Outlaws, which is just about some fucking some bitch who has to crawl around everywhere because she has nothing going for her apart from a blaster and a Ubisoft game. So, like, already got the whole world against her there. You're in a fucking Ubisoft game. You're going to fail. So, anyway.
1: Yeah, I think there's a, a good story. I think what makes the Mandalorian sort of interesting as well is he's sort of a neutral character in the universe. He doesn't really... It's a bit like The Witcher in a way, he's sort of he's a bounty hunter. He doesn't really have any concern other than, you know, checking in, take cashing in his um his bounty and making money. He doesn't really have an uh, affiliation between the good guys and in inverted commas, commas and the bad guys, so he sort of exists in a world where lots of things are happening around him, but he doesn't necessarily, you know, is sided with any any party. So I think, you know, I think there's a good story to be told and um yeah, I quite enjoyed the TV show. I thought it was quite good. Baby Yoda character and a few things like that so it'll be interesting when we hear a bit more what kind of game it is and what it looks like and probably a live server something mm. just uh, <laughs> really annoys yeah
2: well I mean one one element that that also yeah, you know, if you sort of look at the bigger picture so not only does the Mandalorian have his arsenal of weaponry available to him that, that's sort of associated with his mandalorian armor that you know For for those of you who aren't sort of super familiar with the the star wars universe um his suit of armor he's got like a a fairly iconic sort of helmet that he wears um there's a part of the storyline that he's not allowed to remove his helmet for religious reasons and um and the weapons and and everything to do with the armor are part of his religion but um the addition of Grogu or Baby Yoda um, as a character in the game, uh, what I wonder is, do you think we might see like a Kratos and Atreus type um, like arrangement where uh, sort of Baby Yoda's sort of there and, and can... You know, contribute to your your play by using his force abilities, which mm. he obviously uses in the TV show to to sort of like defend the Mandalorian against uh, certain enemies and attacks and things. Um, do we think that he's he's going to be sort of there and, and present, or are they going to go down a path where um, they give us those fucking missions that that drive me up the mm. wall? Where it's like, oh, Baby Erd is under attack reinforcements are on their way. You need to fight off all the enemies that are trying to kill Baby Yoda while you wait for reinforcements to arrive. And, yeah, you know, like like defending Natalia in uh, GoldenEye uh, on the Nintendo 64 while she's trying to hack the satellite in the control room. Fuck, that annoys me. Like, I'm, it's it, this is triggering me big time. Do we think Grogu, Baby Yoda, is going to be a playable character... Or, or someone that's just sort of uh, able to be called on like a special ability every now and then, or do we think he's just going to be uh, an annoying device that they use to uh, to Give try and to do? Yeah,
1: basically. No idea. Maybe I, I mean he's like, a um, pretty popular character. You go stealing.
0: I feel like uh, he could almost have a, a role not dissimilar to. Um- Oh, I've forgotten her name now from Bioshock Three, where you know in in Bioshock Infinite, when if you're if you're under attack a certain amount, uh, Elizabeth will throw out like a health kit or something. Maybe mm. if you're you're in the middle of battle and something fucked is going on, and Grogu maybe uses some of the Force abilities to heal you or something or do something fucking not canon, and mm. you know just. But it then might even be able to help out with, you know, small amounts of attacking. I think that I think a supporting character alongside you would be really, really good. I really I'm I'm so lucky to have played games of late that don't have the protect somebody who's getting fucked up mechanic um and, and stop them from getting fucking destroyed. Um, but it, I, I would just instantly, it would instantly turn me off seeing even a mission like that where, it, you know, ima- I can just imagine in, a, in like one of these trailers where they have, you know, Respawn talking about the game and they're they're saying how, oh, we thought it'd be cool for you to have to protect Baby Yoda and I go, nah, fuck off, nah, I'm out, see ya, see ya, Respawn, go shit your own assholes out. <laughs> because... It's just done to death, and I'm sick. It. I'm just so sick of it. And I'm, I'm sick of seeing that kind of that gameplay. I'm with you, JB. I think it would just absolutely tarnish it. But having said that, I don't think that that would be the position that this character would take. They'd have to do something more interesting with it than that.
2: In in the Mandalorian TV show, uh, obviously on uh, Disney Plus, we've seen uh, sort of crossovers between the Mandalorian show and popular characters from other other parts of Star Wars. So we've seen characters like Boba Fett, who's obviously mm. a very famous character from Return of the Jedi. We've seen Luke Skywalker make an appearance, uh, who's obviously uh, a pretty big name in the Star Wars universe. And then more recently, the appearance of Ahsoka Tano, who is a character that was made popular in the Clone Wars animated uh, series that George Lucas uh, and Dave Filoni made. Um, Do we think any of those crossover characters are going to make an appearance and, you know, potentially even, you know, you're going to play a mission as Luke Skywalker or one as Ahsoka Tano or, you know, whatever the case may be. Do you think that they would go that path, uh, Ferg, with... um
1: with a, with a game like this? Oh, I'd say so. The old guest appearance from the well-known people in the Star Wars universe. So I'm sure it'll slot in the timeline somewhere and the Mandalorian, the playable character, whoever it is, will cross paths with certain people on their sort of timeline that you know people are familiar with. I can see that happening for sure. Yeah,
2: because yeah, they, uh, they love to chuck in a, a Darth Vader quite yeah. frequently in nearly every one of these games where you either play as Darth Vader and just insanely overpowered for, for a mission or half a mission, mm. or you're under attack from Darth Vader and, and you're just getting your ass absolutely kicked from one one place to the next. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Darth Vader would necessarily make another appearance in, in well, yeah. the Mandalorian timeline. Yeah, he, Vader's already uh, uh, dead and buried, spoiler alert. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, so, you know, they would definitely need to consider uh, potentially a cameo from,
1: from another character. Mm. Um, oh, think, fuck. Sorry, sorry oh, everyone. There goes go the mic. Shit, I'd, myself. I think that's something they can lean into as well. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know I'm not across the Lord of huh? where uh, Mandalorian is, but, Continue. you know, you could be accepting bounties from the bad guys, per se. Yeah, you know, some guys again I don't know about the timeline but you know someone like Jabba the Hutt someone you know on that kind of you know a bad guy that we know across the universe you could be doing you know things for him and sort of aligning, aligning yourself with the good and bad and just showing a different side of you know telling the story in that respect as well I think it'd be pretty cool because hmm. you know obviously you know Boba Fett does a similar thing or Racking My Brain he's got a hit on Han Solo's and that from yeah, um, yeah from memory. Empire Strikes Back, he, yeah. he,
2: he's dispatched to go and find Han Solo. And, and, and who's uh, that from, though? Is that Jabba? From Jabba the Hutt, yeah, yeah. so, you know,
1: something like that, they could easily slot into the game on whatever timeline it is, but similar type missions to that would then, that way you can get all these characters within the game. I mm. think that'd be a cool way of um, approaching it, not just hanging out with the good guys. Well, if
2: a Mandalorian Star Wars game is actually in the works at Respawn, it'd be very interesting to see where they go with it and can it stand up to the quality that uh, came before it yeah. in uh, Jedi uh, Fallen Order and uh, Jedi Survivor.
1: Absolutely. Time will
2: tell. Uh, well, that's probably a good time to jump into this week's novelty segment for, for this week. I
1: know what boys. Right. I
2: And uh, this week, we are going to discuss our favourite video game villains. And, uh, you know, if uh, if you out there in listener land uh, have a favourite video game villain, uh, drop us a line. Send let something to our Instagram or Facebook page and let us know what your favourite villains are. Mm. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, all right, Ferg kick things off who is your favorite video game
1: villain so my favorite and again maybe it seems like a bit of an unoriginal one but i couldn't go past none other than the joker it's obviously well known not just in video games obviously across comics and the cartoon and the films and stuff but i don't know there's so many good batman games out there that have the joker in them and it's just a fantastic character in all of them. So, you know, I think specifically of the Batman Arkham series, we've talked about the Joker before. I think we did a novelty segment where we talked about our favorite voice-acted video game characters, I think it was, a long time ago, and I think I picked Mark Hamill as the Joker. He, he sure. just does such an amazing job of voicing the Joker in, in those games. Oh. Um, and the games themselves, I mean... I think they're just masterpieces, what Rocksteady have done with the, with that Arkham series. Um, I think, you know, the Joker as a character himself, he's, he's awesome because he's, you know, completely unhinged. He's just really unpredictable, but he's also got that f- charm and that flamboyant side to him as well. So as a, as a character, it's fantastic. But in these games, what I really like is the dynamic of the relationship that he has with Batman and how Rocksteady sort of illustrate that through the stories of these games. Um, You know, I think Arkham City, I think in that game, they all seem to blur into one, but the Joker's dying. He's basically got blood and he's dying and he gets to the end where, you know, spoilers here, you haven't played the games, but playing as Batman, you actually debate about curing the Joker and you're actually going to do it until you get into a bit of a brawl with him and, um, you know, the antidote vial ends up smashing and the Joker dies. And there's a really poignant moment in that video game where they're sort of showing that they nearly have some kind of like a codependency relationship between Batman and the Joker. And regardless of what they've gone through up to that point, the Batman still would save Joker. And it's it's just a really interesting way of, you know, the hero and the villain, but they're so sort of intertwined with their stories and how they sort of rely on each other. Um, And then following on, you get into Arkham Knight, which is the third game and you find out, again, fantastic story, you find out as the Batman that you were infected with some of Joker's infected blood. I think he deliberately infects five people. And in that game, in Arkham Knight, you're going through and you're slowly getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and the symptoms that you are developing are basically the Joker's. You're turning into the Joker. And they do a fantastic job of using the Joker as sort of a narrator in your voice. And as you run around Arkham, he's like popped up. He's like sitting on the corner of a car and he's sort of talking to you. And its well, I think it's just such a clever way of um, storytelling. And I just really loved that game. I loved all those games, but I really enjoyed that, that you've got this inner Joker monologue voice by Mark Mark Hamill throughout the game. And it gets to the point towards the end of the game where you actually start hallucinating to the point where you turn into the Joker And then it opens up a completely different gameplay loop where you walk around and there's like a first-person shooter type sort of level in the game where you're the Joker and you're going around shooting a gun and you get to, you know, use all these different moves that you don't see throughout the whole game until you turn into him. Um, And it's just, you know, really clever narration. And I just, yeah, those games are fantastic. But just the Joker in that game and, yeah, how they sort of illustrate... The story between him and Batman, I think, is just well done. Um, really is a shame that uh, Rocksteady
2: have uh, shit the bed with uh, a Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. So.
1: Live service moneymaker, but. Um, Emotional damage! Yeah, so, those games in particular, and the other one I really want to highlight that's got the Joker in it is the Telltale Batman games. So, I've got a bit of a soft spot for the Telltale games. Across the board, I've enjoyed probably 90% of them. There's a few that I didn't, but I really enjoyed their you know, choice matter-type driven games. And the Telltale Batman games are fantastic. So I think they did two seasons. There was the original one, which was just called Batman the Telltale series, and then they did season two, which was Batman Enemy Within. And the second one in particular is fantastic. And it's just another... I don't know, just a different version of events. It's a sort of a, um, I don't know, a a Joker origin story. Um, If you haven't played it, you play as obviously Batman and Bruce Wayne, but um, towards the beginning of the game, I can't remember exactly, but someone basically finds out your identity as Bruce Wayne being the Batman, and they sort of blackmail you to join and infiltrate the pact which is sort of like a criminal group, which has Harley Quinn and Mr. Freeze and Bane. And it's also got this character called John Doe in it, who is an Arkham asylum patient. And he's the guy that goes on to become the Joker. And basically you play and you dictate whether he turns into the Joker or whether he becomes a friend of Bruce Wayne and the Batman, which is a really interesting take on, you know, the whole universe, because he's not the Joker at that point, but you can sort of see him slowly turning into it based on the decisions that you make and, yeah, you get to a, a bit of a fork in the road where you can either aggravate him to the point that he becomes the Joker or the finish is that he, you know, goes to Ark- back to Arkham Asylum and gets help and he stays as John Doe and doesn't, you know, turn into the Joker. And, again, I just think that was just a really fantastic way of stel- telling the Joker story in a different way and you having, mm. you know, influence on how, you know, the turn of events turn out. And it's yeah, it was really interesting. So when yeah. you send him back to Arkham, does he sort of
2: look with you look at you with sort of narrowed eyes and it says John Doe will remember that
1: down the bottom of the yeah, screen. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> he, won't, he won't forget that. Yeah. 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 Again, I don't want to give spoils away if anyone that goes and go and play it. But yeah, I just think the Joker, particularly out of all the villains, in a lot of different games has been done very well. But it's also been shown in lots of different lights around you know he's not just the bad guy that you hate you know there's lots of um, points in the Arkham series as well as the Telltale series where you sort of have sympathy for this character and um, and stuff like that so I just, I just think him as a villain has been shown in a lot of different ways which makes him definitely one of my favourites for sure
2: oh fantastic thank you Ferg Steely favourite video game villain
0: fuck me I couldn't go past Ganondorf, and I've got a bit of a thing to talk about Ganondorf. Well, you didn't, so lucky for the you, because otherwise I would have had to poo in your poo. Um, whatever that means. Uh, look, Ganondorf is um, my all-time favourite game villain in all of his forms. He is fantastic, but I'll never forget my first experiencing... Uh, my con- confronting Ganondorf, which was in the Legend of Zelda, the Ocarina of Time. My first memory of having played a video game and knowing I'm about to go up against um, the boss and almost shitting myself. Uh, I, I just, that, that game is phenomenal. Hey, but can- yeah, totally. Um, it's because of the anticipation. So anyone that has played Legend of Zelda, the Ocarina of Time, once you get into Hyrule Castle, and you're going towards Ganondorf, and there's that organ that you start to hear, that, which is Ganon's theme playing, and it's so faint, and the, the castle is just fucked. I mean, this guy does not have any interior design sensibilities <laughs> at all. Uh, everywhere he goes, he just fucks it. He's just like... <laughs> it's just... Don't put him in Animal Crossing. He'll shit your town up. Whoa. Um, but seriously, um, as you climb up, the organ gets louder and louder as you ascend up through Hyrule Castle to meet him at the top. Um, and then you get to the top, and it's like, back then, I think, this I have this weird thing with um, like lo-fi horror. You know, like, low-poly horror really gets me. And getting into that room when I was a kid uh, and seeing this low-poly you know, sort of fucking cloudy-looking, dingy-lit room with Ganondorf just fucking sitting at said organ, playing it, just waiting, like, just waiting for you to come up there to fuck you up. Um, It's fucked and terrifying, and it really solidified to me how scary Ganondorf can be. Um, Mm. In every game, he has a particular quality that just sort of raises... Um, the stakes, I mean, in Twilight Princess, the guy gets around with a fucking sword wound at his chest uh, mm. and still musters the hatred to carry out his plans in the entire game. In The Wind Waker, he just shows how fucking arrogant he is because, uh, because he's won previously. So he's already won and he's put Link to bed and he's he's feeling arrogant and he's feeling cocky and he nothing can stop him. Um, to the point where he even humbles Link and says, uh, "You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight you because you're just a kid. Like you're not strong enough. Like what's the point of me fighting you? I'm the biggest baddest motherfucker of all time." Mm. Um, but then even when you get to, uh, you know, something like demise, which technically isn't Ganondorf, but it's the original sort of form of Ganondorf um, uh, in Skyward Sword, who I think is just. Absolutely terrifying. That whole game, you're going up against Girihim and you think that Ghirahim's the the big villain of the game and turns out Girihim's just the sword, you know, that, that Demise mm. is using. And when you fight Demise and you get taken up into the clouds, into the middle of fucking nowhere and it just looks like a big ocean around you and the skies go dark and there's this guy with flaming hair and he's built like a brick shit house and... Uh, he's just terrifying. He stands up so tall, um, and navigating motion controls against this motherfucker is not fun. Uh, but it is absolutely um just a great boss fight, and he's such a terrifying boss. But I think my favorite um sort of the the, the most the biggest impression that got left on on me of Gandalf was when I first saw that. Tears of the Kingdom trailer when we just knew it was the sequel to Breath of the Wild and they're going down the the steps t- and underneath Hyrule Castle and they see him down there all s- arched back with the fucking the you know the arm of Rauru on his chest that that to me just blew me away and the the tone that that game sets at the very start of it which going down those steps feels just as terrifying as when I was a kid going up Hyrule Castle um, when, you know, when I was going to defeat him in Ocarina of Time. And I think that there's just something about Ganondorf when they develop that amount of anticipation. And In Tears of the Kingdom, it's it's very much the same how the music gets louder and more kind of disgusting as you get lower and further down in those first opening moments of the game. But um, there is just nothing like it. He's he's a incredible villain um, in all of his forms. You just have this. Uh, it's not even like you you have admiration or anything for him. But I think that you would imagine that if you were to meet this motherfucker in real life, he's cunning, he's tough, and he's just um, he's a filthy motherfucker. So Ganondorf. All the way. He, and, and I'm not even. Emotional damage! <laughs> he would not like it if I said that. Um, <laughs> But it's not even like in his beast forms. The beast forms are like, oh yeah. It's in the. F- when he's a person, it's, mm. it's fucking terrifying. It's Ganondorf the person, not Ganon the beast. So mm. there you go. That's just telling you how it is.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Steely. Great character. Mm. C Mac. Yes. Who's your favorite video game villain? And that can't be Ganondorf. <laughs> Sorry,
3: I'm out. See so, ya. Yeah, no, um, I went just. I, I went a strange one. I went Bowser. Good old Bowser. Nice and original. Bowser's You're a good a one. Dick. What'd you
0: say? What,
2: what'd you say oh, about okay. Bowser's dick?
0: No, I said nice and original. I didn't say anything about his dick. <laughs> <Okay>.
3: <laughs> I said you are a dick. Oh, I said nice yeah. and original. No, okay. Bowser, come on, like. <laughs> You're talking about your childhood, about video game villains that scared you back when you were a a child. Bowser, for me, not not that he scared me per se, but he was the villain, wasn't he?
1: In all all your
3: Mario games and everything, Bowser is always there. He's always... And what I I like about Bowser is he's comical and he's funny in lots of games. Like mm -hmm. He's actually hilarious. Because yeah. he's ridiculous. It's at a
0: point now where you don't even hate him. You I kind of love to hate him.
3: That's right, and I think that they're sort of playing on that a bit. They've sort of sort of steered away from the whole him being the the main villain of all the games, and they've kind of made him a. What's the game where you play as him?
0: There's a few of them now. No, no,
3: the where um oh I should have written it down. He's he's chasing after you after Mario. To get something, and you, you play as you know what? I'll, I'll tell you next week. I think of it right now.
0: Thousand Year Door,
3: perhaps. No, it's not. Anyway, Bowser. But what's funny is we were talking, I was trying to figure out the name for the game. What is it? Super Mario 3D World, and they came out with the what do you call a DLC?
0: No, I'd say it was a packaged in game that came with Super Mario Three. Yeah, world. Bowser's
3: Fury. Now we got that and fucking hell, Bowser was very scary in that that was the first game I reckon I've ever played.
2: <laughs> it- Mushroom Kingdom Here We oh. come
3: <laughs> Every time. But um you know what? Even in the movie he was um he was comical, but he was. The, he, Jack Black did a good job of making him pretty scary at some points with the with the screaming. But in Bowser's Fury, he was terrifying. He was actually, we were actually scared because you're playing under sort of a time constraint with Mario, and then as Cat Mario, and then you can see, like you said, with the music, it starts building up because you know the Bowser. Fury is coming, and you and see that big f- fucking <gasps> black
0: turtle shell in the distance with all yeah. the spikes coming out of it, spinning around like some fucking Exorcist doll. <laughs>
3: it's pretty. It's pretty. I, I was letting Noah watch something the other day on YouTube. I was like, oh, "That was just a Mario game," and then I looked at it. I was like, "This is not. This is. This is nightmare material." So I don't need any more nightmares. So yeah, Bowser, like. I don't know. Mm. I just, it's pretty cliche, I guess, as a villain, but at the end of the day, I just, I always find it funny in all the new iterations of Mario how they're going to portray Bowser mm. because it's been done to death, but um, I think he's sort of gone past the whole capturing Princess Peach trope and hes it's sort of branching out a little bit. And once I can figure out the game that I'm thinking of, mm. I'll tell you next week. Oh, what is he that? He's the OG
1: but Bowser, isn't he? He's been around for like, uh, shit, 40 years? How long was, I don't know, first yeah. appearance of Bowser must have been on the... He's elderly. elderly yeah. So he... So if he's not capturing elderly. Princess Peach... Uh, no, but
3: he was probably like 40 when he was, when oh. you know, he wasn't a baby when he first got introduced.
2: What's so... Uh, what's he up to next? Selling meth to young toads? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: unhinged. 40 years Bowser's been around for. Take Breaking movies. Bowser. Mm.
0: Breaking <laughs> Bowser. <laughs> you know what f- f- version of Bowser I like is Giga Bowser from um, from uh, from Smash Brothers Melee. It terrified the shit out of me when I was 12 years old. I was like, this guy looks like he needs some clinical help. Mm. <laughs> this fucking thing was just like, didn't even look like Bowser. It just looked like somebody fucked up.
2: Mm. and so it needs to be featured in the next iteration of Mortal Kombat yeah um, Giga bowser oh, well a bowser uh, you know splitting oh. someone in half with the spikes on his shell or something
3: mm. i always i always went to show the bowser from bowser's fury and then remember this is a podcast so yeah that's not yeah, going audio to work medium, but uh, that's
1: we're for not sure. uh, we'll have to explain what look, you're looking please.
3: at i can see a dark Who's- bowser <laughs> shape with lots of fire. We'll
0: just get an audio description done by AI, it'll be fine.
1: Yeah, easy. Bowser is now
0: spinning, turning, (laughs) spinning, now is very angry.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Steely, that was... uh, That was AI, not me. Brilliant. (laughs) What are you talking about? What do you got for us, JB? Right,
2: so uh, picture this... Um, the video game villain that uh, really sticks out in my mind. Oh, we're back to the Caribbean. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, obviously, all the... episodes the are blending into one. Ghost pirate LeChuck uh, from the uh, secret of Monkey Island, the curse of Monkey Island, uh, or the escape from Monkey Island, all the Monkey Island characters. for those of you who haven't played is that uh, much much in the same way as it is for Mario, he's uh, fallen in love with the, with the main female character of the game. Uh, in this case, it's uh, Governor Marley, who the hero of the game is also in love with, Guybrush Threepwood. Mm. And uh, so LeChuck's just madly in love with Governor Marley and wants to marry her and uh, he needs to destroy Guybrush Threepwood because he's uh, a threat to their... Counting his lunch. Their, uh, yeah, their marriage, their love, <laughs> uh, whatever the case may be. <laughs> um, he's had uh, multiple sort of iterations, old LeChuck. Uh, he, uh, uh, I think in the original one, he was just purely sort of like a zombie uh, who was sort of slowly uh, decaying over time, um, he's also had um, an iteration in, in the second Monkey Island game where uh, he, he actually turned out to be Guybrush Threepwood's brother uh, at the end of the game as in, a, in a bit of a twist. Plot twist. Uh, then, of course, the curse of Monkey Island. Uh, he He's blown up by a voodoo cannonball and comes <laughs> back with a large flaming beard, uh, which mm-hmm. was... Uh, uh, you know, somewhat terrifying, I suppose, depending on uh, uh, how sensitive you are to that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and then I think in the the very last one, he's they they sort of stuck with that that look. In the end, the flaming beard. Uh, so yeah, uh, fearsome pirate um, kills it at will uh, and runs a terrifying uh, ghost-filled theme park called Big Whoop. Uh, in the heart (laughs) of Monkey Island itself. So, uh, yeah, uh, thank you, uh, LeChuck. Um, But I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, also uh, throw this one out there. So, from a little game from uh, Blizzard Entertainment, and see if you can guess. Reporting for duty. Uh, (laughs) We're, of course, talking StarCraft and uh, the villain... Uh, in question for this one would be none other than Sarah Kerrigan. So Ferg would know Sarah Kerrigan quite well. Uh, yeah, Dale those, Kerrigan's sister. From, yeah. one of the one <laughs> of the tell famous she's Kerrigans. <laughs> <Tell> she's
0: <dreaming. laughs> uh,
2: but uh, she's of course uh, she's a character in the game known as a ghost, and she gets uh, taken prisoner by the Zerg, uh, Mm -hmm. gets gets sort of abandoned, left behind on a a planet and the Zerg take her and then she gets transformed into one of them and becomes Mm -hmm. the Zerg Queen, Mm -hmm. uh, spawning her own DLC, uh, the, uh, uh, what was it, the expansion for the original uh, StarCraft and then she obviously plays a pretty significant role in StarCraft 2 as well before she's uh, eventually rescued by Jim Raynor. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sarah Kerrigan, she's one of these villains that is more more of a threat because she's originally one of the good guys but gets taken over by the bad guys mm. and spills all the secrets of the good guys to the bad guys um, because she's now one of them. So, mm. uh, they're the worst worst kind of villain. I don't know. Can you think of another one, that, that, uh, an example like
1: that? Mm, not off the top of my head. Well, the memories are flooding back on this one because we've talked about before how good the blizzard cutscenes were there's a pretty gnarly cutscene I think when she gets transformed from memory Is she's that right? she's standing on
2: uh, well I remember when she gets captured I don't remember the actual oh, transformation okay. but uh, she's calling for reinforcements mm. and uh, Arcturus Minsk says nap sorry we're leaving you behind. And then it's just the camera sort of slowly pulling back while she's staring up yeah, at the sky, yeah. and all the Zerg closing in from like every every side, like slowly making their way towards her. So, man, um,
1: I, yeah, those memories of those cutscenes are in printed in my brain forever. As a, I don't know how old would it have been then. Not even ten, I don't think, when that game out came out. And watching some of these cutscenes and being horrifically just scarred by them, um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. But
2: uh, that's, uh, that's my, they're my two favourite video game villains of all time. Uh, share yours with us. Uh, drop us a line on Instagram or Facebook and uh, let us know who are your favourite you video think? game villains. Who terrified the shit out of you when you were a child? Mm. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of another episode of the Discerning Gamer podcast for this week. I would like to thank the DG crew starting with Fergus Fergamon Hamilton, thank you. Thanks, JB. Always a pleasure, mate. And Simon Steely McLaughlin, thank you.
0: Thanks, JB. I've had the time of my life and I've never felt this way before.
2: Fantastic. <laughs> thank you, uh Steely. And of course, it wouldn't we'd be remiss if we didn't also thank uh none other than Pistol Pisty. Pete, The Pissed. Casey. Yes. I, I was waiting. sorry. McLaughlin. I was fired. <laughs> You're doing that a lot lately. Uh, is, is The I'm, I'm losing not, a touch?
3: Yeah, I'm not very... I wasn't good then and I'm not good now still, so it she's was got, always a fluke.
2: She's
0: got arthritis.
2: We'll have to get your uh, cardboard cutout of Trevor from GTA Five out of the cupboard and uh, do a bit of practice. Practicing. Yeah. My love... <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Bye. Anything can
0: happen in the next uh, five to seven days. We might have a new Pokadons game. We might have a new um, third-party game for Nintendo. Uh, well, yes, we will, because there is a partner showcase happening. And did you know that also in the next week, um, there are going to be uh, consecutive seven days? Uh, That happens every week, um, all the way from today until the next uh, seventh day. It will be. That's what it constitutes a week.